Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Midnight Moon Confessionals. This is your host, Scott. This will be a bit of a double dash, double duty, whatever you want to call it, sort of a dip. Let's just call it a double dip because I'm doing two movies for this review. One that is happening on the 20th. Oh, no, not the 20th, the 21st of December 2021. Now, two movies are coming out technically tonight and tomorrow night at the same time. I have an early screening to the movie The King's Man, starring Ralph Fiennes, Dion Brühl, amongst others. Now, this movie is also going to have spoilers for this review, so please be warned that there will be spoilers ahead. Now, I'm going to do this in part one. This will be part one. Part two will be The Matrix Resurrections. I will do an intro for that as well, and this one will also have its intro, and then you will hear part two tomorrow evening. And that will also be an enjoyable experience. Now, will I take the red pill or the blue pill? Only one way to find out. Guys, check out the screening, ladies and gentlemen. Check out the screening, everyone, and the review. But, uh, yeah, I will uh, hopefully see you all very soon. In the next little bit, I will be at this moment of time in line to see my movie. And then... By the time I am finished, I will make a review on it. And when I'm ready, I will have the next one, which will be tomorrow. And I'll have both back-to-back. So, And this will be a bit of a spoiler-heavy situation on both. So you will definitely see both tomorrow, and you will hopefully be astounded by both. If not, you will also hear them both on the Thursday or the Friday, whichever day. I decide to release these, but these will be out before Christmas, and this will be the last one before 2021. This will be the last one of 2021. So, on with the show, everyone. I will see you next. I'll see you in the next little bit. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of the King's Man review, which is now I've seen the movie, and now I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. I would actually like to give this a proper, proper, full, detailed review. But I'm trying to remember everything, and I just got out of the movie maybe an hour ago. I will try to remember everything properly, and if I have to, I will do a Redux when it comes out on uh, streaming platforms. I know I never really did a review of the previous films, The Secret Service or The Golden Circle of the Kingsman films, but I am a big fan of them. Mark my words. These are films that I haven't had a chance... I didn't do the recording of podcasts until 2019, so... This is more or less something that's been kind of... I've been needing to review them properly, but I won't go into great detail today. Sadly, it is a little late for me to do this, but I'm going to do my best. I will mention um, one good thing about this film. I will say Daniel Bruhl and uh, Ralph Fiennes really stole the show, really. But um, more or less, this film is set... In, I'm guessing, the it does a bit of a weird setting. I think it's set roughly, hold on a second. Um, I think it first starts out in, hold on. It starts in 1902, I believe. And it involves uh, Ralph Fiennes' character being the Dukes of o- Duke of Oxford, his son, and his wife, 
in, I'm guessing, Africa. I'm not too certain on where they are, but it looks like a bit of an African conflict of some sort. And um, it involves, this is kind of how this is all kind of starts, I guess, a little bit. But basically, they're going to, I guess, talk to someone who's in command of some sort of concentration camp, which the Duke of Oxford played by Ralph Fiennes, very strongly dislikes. I forgot to say who's directing this film and everything else about it, but basically, I've gotten completely off track. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to stop this recording, but I will say um, this film was directed by Matthew Vaughn. It was, if you recall correctly, starring Ralph Fiennes, Gemma Arterton, Reese Fons, Matthew Good, Harris Dickinson, Tom Hollander, Daniel Brule, Jimon Hansau, Hansu, and Charles Dance. And Tom Hollander plays three characters in this one, but um we'll talk about that later. But anyways, like I mentioned, basically the whole thing is Orlando Oxford, the Duke of Oxford, and his wife, Emily, and um, their son, Conrad, are in Africa meeting up with someone that um, is, I guess, causing some issues, more or less, for um, everyone involved. And, um, yeah, he's, the Duke is kind of talking like, this is not right, this is not what we should be doing, and then... Some, uh, belligerents, I guess, or, um, enemies show up unannounced and, uh, shoot at the captain of the whole situation as well as the duke. And he gets severely injured, mostly in the leg, and he's walking with a limp for the rest of his, uh, life, it looks like, especially in this film. And, um... Poor Conrad has to witness us all, and um, he witnesses the death of his a death of his mother, and he was even talking about some things to I guess their assistant, I guess their manservant, whatever his name is, I can't recall right now, but I think his name was, if I recall correctly, was um, Shola. He was. Um, Basically, he was helping um, Oxford, the Duke of Oxford, as well as his family, get through the area. And he um, is talking to young Conrad about King Arthur and his uh, round circle. One of the Knights of the Round Table, that that sort of thing. How um, his mother would be Guinevere, his dad would be King Arthur himself, he would be Galahad... Or Lancelot, I think it was. Either way, they go on about this. And it jumps 12 years later. It's now 1914. World War One is slowly but surely starting to warm up a little bit. Starting to actually almost come to fruition. And um, Conrad is maybe 18 years old now. He's, he's getting there. He's getting, he wants to join the list. Join the ranks of the... Royal Marines of sorts, and uh, his dad, 
Orlando is saying, no, I don't want to lose you. I made a personal, I took a personal vow from your mother and took a personal vow for myself to be a pacifist and never let you see the horrors of war ever. And, uh, meanwhile, while this is all happening, it seems to be that, um, he's become a bit of a knight, he's become an ace pilot. And all the while, um, Orlando is kind of created a bit of a private club, you could say. An organization of sorts for telling And, um, well, they don't have a real term for them just yet, but they're thinking of, like, what they could do for this organization, which is just a, basically a society of, like, butlers and nannies and whatnot, and... Like, how, not even house folk, but, like, people that, like, tend, like, housekeeper sort of people, more or less, that are connected to Europe and the U.S. To the world leaders to try and prevent something from happening. Meanwhile, um, Eric Van Hanusen, Rasputin, uh, who else? Um, I'm trying to remember his name, um. What else is his name? Hanusin, Grigory Rasputin. Um, who else? Um, I'm trying to remember. Matahari, I believe. Um, and a few others, as well as uh, Gavrilo Princip, are. Meeting up with our main villain, whom I don't remember his name exactly if he's who the bad guy is at all, but I just know he's a Scotsman of sorts. And, um, more or less, I think his name is more, I think it's Morton. I can't recall. I just remember it's someone that, um, has a real issue overall with, um, England. And wants to see them die. Like, wants to see them, like, basically surrender. But, um, more or less, he wants to see Russia, as well as some other places like Germany, become, um, more or less the, the number one, you could say. But uh, he is not sure of how to go about that at all, I don't think. Well, this is all happening. Rasputin has to uh, make the Russians step back from this war that they're trying to create. And at the same time, the Archduke... Franz Ferdinand is actually... Yes, Franz Ferdinand is in this. Not the band. The actual uh, Archduke is in this. And he's... um, He's more or less here just to help spark everything that goes on. More or less in this film. And what does happen overall in this film is the fact that 
more or less, it's just, it's more or less trying to prevent World War One from happening, but they don't really get away from doing that, per se, and it's just, the way that goes on, one of the old regimental friends that's also an Earl or something like that, of or Duke, Earl Kitchener, uh, shows up, <sighs> pardon me, he shows up to the Kingsman Taylors after um, Conrad and Orlando are getting a suit made for Conrad himself, and he shows up saying, I need your help. He gives them his assistance, and, um, well, I gotta say, like, the fact is, like, everything that goes on goes on, and it goes on for some time. This movie gets a little long, but it's also the fact that, one, everything that happens is that... The Archduke is almost assassinated by one of the members of this organization that uh, wants to start World War One, but have it so it collapses. Oh my goodness, I can't even do this recording. I might have to wait till tomorrow night, well, tomorrow morning to do this. I think I might actually have to, and I don't want to do that. But I'm going to continue progressing. I'm going to do my best to progress. But anyways, moving on. Let's fast forward a little bit more. After that assassination attempt is foiled, the guy that uh, thought he was he couldn't kill it decides to get a second shot, and he does. He kills him, and he kills Archduke and his wife. He's about to be strangled, but Orlando comes in to save him and get information out of him. Meanwhile, the U.S. is not uh, paying much attention to it, I mean, they are, but they're not really getting involved, per se, and they're trying to more or less just stay out of the whole situation. They don't want to be involved, period, but they also need to be involved, more or less, because of the situation that's going on, what's what's embroiling right now in Europe. And we keep on hearing statesman whiskey, which is what the president at the time is drinking in this film, which is also a nice, yet very subtle nod to... Kingsman Golden Circle, which is also done by Matthew Vaughn. All three films have been done by Matthew Vaughn so far. The fourth one, which will be the third, properly will be out very soon. I know that'll be one I'll review, and I'll also review the other ones back to back to back. But whatever. I just thought I'd at least mention that. It's a bit of a nice, subtle nod to Golden Circle. But anyways, um, what else happens in this film? Um, not much else does kind of happen a little bit, but it's a lot of... Like, this Scottish guy really wants to get revenge on on England because it's enslaved Scotland for several hundred centuries, like, several centuries, and it's, like, he's tired of it. He wants Scotland to be its own entity, I guess. But he doesn't get what he wants, in a sense, because he keeps on having, like, he's trying to twist and turn everything. And through some information from... The housekeepers, I think one of them is Polly, they find out that, um, well, the Russian, uh, Russian czar is actually having his own, uh, bell of the ball sort of situation happening. And, basically, 
Colorado Orlando go there and run into Rasputin, whom they also have a bit of a nice fight with after he tries to kill Orlando because he gets into a real cock-off sort of one-up, like, you really want to go there, bud? Sort of fight situation, and it's just so petty. It's so dumb. But the fighting in this is very well done. Like, I mean, you're seeing a guy that's limping, using a cane that has a sword in it, for crying out loud. Who does that? But anyways, after that ordeal happens, they find themselves embroiled in another task of trying to defuse everything and trying to get the Americans involved in going to war. Which, at the end, they do. But, holy, I cannot do this from here. <sighs> I think I'd have to stop. But I'm going to stop here. Crap, I can't use this. No, I'm going to keep doing, I'm going to keep going. going to keep going, going to keep going, going to keep going. Basically, what happens is that after that happens, Polly finds more information about some German uh, fraulein of sorts fraternizing with the U.S. And this is what they're trying to use to keep them away from, like, blackmailing the president from going into war. And the Kingsmen, or, like, the group of the Kingsmen of sorts, the original group that's going on, actually try and say, hey, let's find out what's going on. Like, we'll, we can try and use this to more or less um, stop everything from happening. Conrad, still against his father's wishes, wants to join the war efforts. After he's turned old, he's old enough to do so. And the one that's in charge of everything does actually um, get him to say, okay, fine. He'll join, but I'll send him right back to London, more or less. I'm not letting him actually join the front lines. But uh, young... Archie Reed, Lance Corporal, sees him, and, well, he sees this young Lance Corporal and says, let me write this message to, like, to my dad, and you send it to him for me, personally, because I'm going to go out and actually, I'm going to try and fight. And he finds himself going off and trying to save uh, a member of the team that was kind of, that lost his leg, and... He gets him back to the front lines before murder. Blasts them both back into the front line, like back into the trenches, and poor Conrad gets shot. Orlando thinks everything's all lost. I know I'm rushing this. I'm sorry. I should be going into more detail. I will with a redux probably later on. But uh, more or less, he gets into a, a depression because he lost everything he ever loved. But he finds out that they could still stop what's going on. They've stopped Rasputin. They've stopped everyone that they need to stop. They need to stop this Scottish guy. I can't remember his name. I'm just going to call him the Scottish guy. I don't remember his name being mentioned at all. But let's just call him the Scottish villain. I don't remember who's playing him at all. I, I, I don't know. Because it didn't really mention it in the movie. Maybe I'll remember it later on and I will... Uh, when I rewatch it, I'll mention it. And I'll do a redux on this 
properly and I will do a proper review because I'm I'm trying to remember everything right now and I know I was kind of falling asleep a couple of times at times unintentionally I, it got a little late for me to watch this movie I didn't expect it to be this bad not this long or not this late but just me kind of being tired from it not being able to focus so I'm sorry for that ladies and gentlemen and everyone else I'm very sorry everyone sorry again but anyways after that happens, we get through all this crap and all this and that, and the other thing goes through. We find um, them all on a mountain dealing with this Scottish guy and a bunch of his goats, mostly because Orlando has asked Polly and um, Shola to join him on this escapade to save the world. They do, in fact, help save the world. And they defeat the bad guy, the Scottish bad guy, whatever his name is. I don't remember it at all. I'm just kind of blitzing out, but I just, I remember my thoughts on this already. Just, uh, uh, sorry, again, but anyways, they finish the job, they do what they need to do. They find themselves telling the U.S. Like US general, the U.S. president to, like, actually go to war. I give him the evidence. <laughs> go to war. And the Kingsman actually, well, Orlando and some of the people that he's with actually realize that they lost a lot of their, they lost, lost their heirs. So why don't we buy this tailor shop, Kingsman, on Saville Road, but we use it as a front for our espionage organization. We still clothe everyone, but we have an international espionage agency that works above any government organization. And Orlando appoints himself as Arthur. Everyone else is Percival, Lancelot, Galahad, Guinevere. In the Knights of the Round Table, there's five of them there. And they all form it properly in memory of Conrad and everyone else that they lost during this war, this horrible war. But they do it in such a positive manner. Like, it ends on a positive note. We do have a bit of a... I don't really want to mention the post-credits scene. Well, it's not even post-credits, mid-credits, really. But it has... Um, the Illusionist. Herrick Jan Hanusen. Alongside with... Uh, Kaiser Will... No, along with... Um, Vladimir Lenin, who was the Tsar's successor, Tsar Nicholas's successor, and um, they're more or less talking about someone who's going to be being ahead of uh, Lenin in a sense, which, okay, but we find out who he's actually talking to, what he's to who uh, Eric's talking about, actually, and it is, I kid you fucking not... It is the, oh my god, why did it have to be this guy? Why, 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 why did it have to be the maniac himself? But they mention, they're talking about like they want to start another war and they involve Adolf. They involve Adolf fucking Hitler. Now, I know this is a mid-credits scene. <coughs> Sorry. 
I know this is a mid credit scene, and that kind of bugs me a little bit. But anyways, it's a movie. It doesn't matter. I know what happens, what doesn't happen, and whatnot. It's it it's it's trying to not redesign the First World War at all. This movie, it's more or less trying to explain the origins of the Kingsman organization because we didn't really get a whole lot of it. We got a little bit of it with exposition from Galahad in the first one, but now it's like oh, now now we know what it now we know how it, it started. That's kind of cool. I'm sorry that I kind of rushed things. I realized I was going a little bit too roundabout. I was kind of just kind of rambling and not really doing much. But I'm going to give this review, like this movie, I'm going to give it a solid review, like like, uh, out of 10 rating. But I know for a fact that it's probably not going to change. But this is probably going to be the last one I give in 2021 a 9 out of 10. I thought this was incredible. But maybe I'm wrong. When I do watch it again in the new year, possibly whenever it does get the chance to be on home release and I rewatch it, I will do a Redux review. But this is going to be part one of this double dip that I'm doing. Tomorrow night, I will be watching The Matrix Resurrections. That will be part two. And I will do a part two intro. And then I will do the review. And that will be it. I might do a part three of just saying overall everything that's gone on i know when you hear this this will be this is actually going to be the last review of 20 like these are going to be the last reviews of 2021 i have a few planned i have one i need to record for 2022 i haven't gotten it out yet and i have two more that i need to do in 2022 so far but as you're listening to this, you're probably hearing it in 2021. If you are, awesome. If not, and you're hearing it in the future, happy new year to you, whichever year you're listening this to this. I hope you all are enjoying your life and enjoying everything. If you are listening to this on Spotify or on Apple, please, 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 please give this a rating on Spotify or on Apple. Give us a comment. Really would love to see some feedback on the podcasts. If you have any sort of feedback and you want to comment it on iTunes, go for it. I will read it out loud on my next review. If you are all listening to this, this will be something that I'll be doing every so often. But this movie gets a 9 out of 10. Like I said, my final thoughts on it. It's good. I thought it was amazing. I might see it again sometime Soon, if I'm able to see it before the end of the year, I will. If not, I see it in the new year. That's fine. But right now, I'm just looking at it all at the same time of just like, eh, whatever. Right now, I'm kind of rushing it, and I'm sorry for that. I don't mean to rush things like that too often, but this was the only time I had to rush things. And I'm sorry for that, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, which will be literally right now if you're listening to this together. I will see you in the next review, everyone. Please take care of yourself and each other. This is Scott, signing out. And transmission for part one. Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else. Hello, hello, hello. This is part two of Midnight Movie Confessionals. Double dip feature. This is the first time and probably going to be the only time I do a double dip sort of feature. I don't think I'm going to be doing this that often. But this is a different reason. This is a bit of an occasion because of the fact that one, 
I am doing two movies back to back, night after night, both of which I'm hoping will be amazing and keep my like my eyes just completely glued to the screen. This one that's coming out for this one you will be hearing next is The Matrix Resurrections, starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and a few other uh, well-known faces and not so known well faces, and it's being directed by I do believe. Lana Wachowski, not Lana and Lily, sadly, who were previously known as Andy and Larry Wachowski. I don't know why uh, Lily is not involved, but I do know it is one of the Wachowskis that are directing it, which at this time is actually kind of a bit of a bad feeling that it's only one of the Wachowskis, not both of them, because they were a team up to a point, I think up until Sense8, they decided to take a break from working together which honestly don't get me wrong not a bad idea for them to do that but at the same time it also kind of takes away the record the power that the both of them have it's almost like the powers of the force or something like it, it just kind of doesn't work out well if i'm honest but enough about that i am hoping that this movie will be enjoyable it will be an amazing experience. I do know the King's Man's review was a bit, if you're listening to this already, you probably know it was not that good of a review that I did. I kind of did it under duress, in a sense. I was not 100% okay. I was doing it, but I just didn't feel like I was able to talk a whole lot very well. I was kind of rambling. I, wasn't go- I was kind of going into different directions, which I don't normally do, but this time around... I'm going to try and keep my eyes peeled to the screen and not fall asleep or anything like that for this movie review. So, stay tuned everyone. The review will be coming out very quickly in about 3, 2, 1, now. And oh, by the way, I should mention that this will have very heavy spoilers just like every other movie review I do make. For the most part, each one usually does have some spoilers, so again, you have been warned. The review will start in 3, 2, 1, now. Hello everyone, welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. This is your host, Scott, speaking yet again. I am back, I am back, I am back. This is the second time. Uh, This is probably the first time I've ever done a back-to-back double dip sort of movie review session this is very different for me to do because i don't normally do these sort of things very often but this is a a momentous occasion like i mentioned earlier i am just out of watching the matrix resurrections a very long wait for the matrix films i know i reviewed the very first one a couple years back with my friend moss wayland but the podcast reviewing recording just never came to fruition. I don't know what happened. It got somehow deleted off of my hard drive and it's no longer able to be found. I don't know what caused that case to be foreboding, you could say. But anyways, this film is set 60 years after the original event, after the events of The Matrix Revolutions. It follows Neo who's living an ordinary life under his original identity as Thomas Anderson in San Francisco. But when a new version of Morpheus offers him a red pill and reopens his mind, the role of Matrix, it becomes 
it becomes more secure and dangerous in the years since the Smith infection and he joins a group of rebels to fight a new enemy. Basically, what happens is it's an isolated, uh, within an isolated modal of the Matrix, a character named Bugs infiltrate like a captain of one of the new ships encounters a program of re like, that's running an old code involving trinity's discovery of neo back in the day in the first film and it's before agents find her yada 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 she finds one of the agents behaving strangely and discovers it's actually an embodiment of morpheus trying to help her and get her free from the node before it's erased Tom, like neo who's no longer going by that name is now Living again as Mr. Anderson, Thomas Anderson to be exact. I really hate dead naming him. I really do hate calling him Mr. Anderson. Whom again is being played by Keanu Reeves and Trinity is being played by Carrie Ann Moss. The only difference is with um, who's playing Morpheus. The person that is playing Morpheus is not Lawrence Fishburne as we all remember. But in fact, it is Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, who also plays an interpretation of uh, Agent Smith briefly in this film. Jessica, Hen Jessica Henwick plays Bugs. Um, Jordan Groff plays Agent Smith, but is not actually... Um, what is it? Like, isn't technically... Um, you would say... Agent Smith anymore. He's more or less the yin and yang to Neo again. And, um, sorry about that. Basically, um, we also have Neil Patrick Harris in this film. As the analyst, we'll talk about him in a little bit. We also have Priyanka Chopper Jones and Jada Pinkett Smith as the one and only Niobe. We have Niobe again, ladies and gentlemen. We have Niobe again. We have Niobe. But, again, I gotta get back into the situation here. Basically, like I said, he's a successful video game developer who's created a trilogy of games based on his dreams of the Matrix that he thought were just dreams. And whatever happened back in the back in the past was uh, not real. It was just all dreams. Basically, everything from the first to the third, including some of the bits of Animatrix, were all a dream of his. He doesn't believe any of it is true whatsoever. And he visits uh, someone named The Analyst, who's played by Neil Patrick Harris quite often because uh, he's helped him through this kind of, I guess, mental breakdown or episode, you could say, of suicide that he had years prior. And now he's been a little bit better, a little bit wiser on everything that he's doing. But again, he's also dealing with a lot of other things now, too. Like, he's dealing with the fact that he's now having to go on these situations and is dealing with a lot of other things. He's having to take these blue pills constantly. And at one point, we hear one of my favorite songs of all time being done in a very different way very different white rabbit by jefferson airplane i think it's done in a different format to kind of bend the rules a little bit on copyright infringement and whatnot 
but it is played in an echoey, kind of reverby, kind of weird dimension that works such an awesome way. And he still thinks that uh, his therapist is consulting him and providing him blue pills to separate him from reality in his dreams because he's because Neo's having issues with it. He also does frequent this coffee shop that is called Simulate. Good job, Lana Wachowski. Yes, Lana, no, Lily Wachowski. Like only half of the Wachowskis are involved in this filming. I should have mentioned that earlier, but again, I didn't think about that. That is sadly the case. They kind of both got burnt out from working together with one another, I guess. Which sucks, but at the same time, what can you do? But, um... At some point, Neo refuses to take the medication. He notices an intruder in his in his game. A private instance of it is later deleted by his his partner Smith, his business partner, who claims they're financiers. Warner Brothers wants them to make a sequel to their trilogy. <laughs> oh, Lana, you so meta, aren't you? This is the most meta joke, fourth wall breaking thing I've ever heard. Seriously, this is a fourth wall break that is not even subtle. Then again, it doesn't really break the fourth wall, but to the audience it does because we as the audience know that Warner Brothers is backing this. But Lana is not there actually talking to the camera. No one's talking to the camera. So I guess it would be a meta joke or reference to it. But again, it's its, its own thing. And outside the Matrix, Bugs and Morpheus locate Neo's signal within it. Despite the general belief that he had died after the end of the Machine War. Which we all kind of did see in the Matrix Resurrection. Re, revolutions, not Resurrections. I'm sorry. But well, we saw it at the end of Revolutions that he died after Smith uh, copying him and even being able to explode and kill himself in a sense because he stands before him saying every beginning has an end, Neo, and he finally gets to fucking call him Neo instead of Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, purpose, 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 Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, purpose, 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 purpose. I am sorry for that, but that's what I hear every single time I watch the movies. It's either purpose or Mr. Anderson, repeatedly. And I'm just very tired of hearing Mr. Anderson, 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 over and over and over. It gets a little tiresome. At least there was no jokes about that in this one. But um, when they trace Neo to Anderson, they realize he subconsciously has run the modal insist to allow Morpheus to be freed. Bugs and her allies enter the Matrix to locate Neo in the real world and discover that Smith is actually Agent Smith who's been keeping a close watch over him and his activities. Bugs helps Anderson loot him as well as people under the so-called swarm mode influence in which the whole population is turned against a target. Basically, if uh, Agent Smith was able to say swarm on Neo 
he could actually have the entire population of the Matrix swarm on him. Which doesn't sound very good or very fun at all for anyone involved, now does it? Anyways, Bugs and Morpheus explain to Neo that he's within the Matrix's simulation. Neo first refuses to believe it, but then he... Then, with his perception of reality being already waned, agrees to be extracted. He wakes up in a pod, seeing Trinity confined to a similar pod as his. And machine entities loyal to Bugs, however, recover him before he can be f- before he can free her. He's taken to Bugs' ship and to the new human society called IO, where he's introduced to an elderly Niobe. Basically, IO is basically a new version of Zion, something we haven't seen in the Matrix films before. We have technically seen Zion in all of the films. But this is a new iteration of Zion. It's completely different where it's basically a mixture of sentinels, well, machines in other words, and humans working together to uh, create a new, I don't know how to describe it, a new type of society that isn't conformative, but it's very, um, it's almost like if the, it was almost, it's kind of peaceful, if I'm honest. It's kind of peaceful, but it's nice at the same time. He meets an elderly Niobe who explains that it's been 60 years that have passed in the real world and that human survivors have allied with some of the machines both inside and outside the Matrix to keep the system working against an anomaly within it. Niobe takes Neo to meet Sati, an exile program, whom you may have met, you may have remembered in the Matrix Revolutions, who's now grown up and actually... In the Matrix world, she grows up to be a bookshop owner, I guess, and gives Neo the biggest clue to find Bugs, Alice in Wonderland, because Bugs has a tattoo of a white rabbit on her shoulder, which is something that's very referential to the original movie, which, to be honest, is nice to see that again. If I'm truly honest. And, um... He explains that the anomaly was created after the machine war somehow resurrected Neo and Trinity and kept them isolated from others. That's what Saudi does. Though Neo wants to rescue Trinity, Saudi warns him against it. Niobe put remains Neo to be outside the Matrix with Bugs and Morpheus and others to fire her order to free Trinity. Coordinating activities in and outside of the Matrix, Neo and Bugs... End of the Matrix, but they're met by Smith and as well as other exile programs who want to see the Matrix return to its, for- its former form. And one of the exile programs we meet is a very old and a very cranky and probably the most craziest iteration of him. I kid you fucking not. We run into the goddamn Merovingian again. That son of a bitch. I actually loved him in the second one because he was only around for a little bit. But then we see him in the third one being a little bit more of an asshole. And, well, now we see him being even more of a psychotic asshole. Still swearing his ass off in French and cursing everyone in French. And it's just... uh, When will you ever learn, Murph? You're never going to win against Neo. But anyways, when they face off against Smith and all this, Neo 
recalls his previous abilities to bend the rules of reality within the Matrix. And, uh, whoa, he still knows Kung Fu. Yes, that is for you, Keanu Reeves, if you're listening. I doubt you are, but if you are, shout me out one of these days, eh? Well, when Smith is defeated, Bugs takes Neo to t- uh, Trinity, well, Tiffany, at the time's repair shop. But before Neo can talk to her, his therapist appears and immobilizes him with some bullet time sort of craziness. Because now, like like I mentioned before, that the, the Matrix is now a video game, which is even more meta, because that's what... Uh, which I originally designed it as, in a sense, some weird sci-fi video game sort of thing. And that how Neo and his crew are actually organizing everything. They do, do it through board meetings and whatnot that are just so stupid. And this is during the White Rabbit sequence as well. But anyways, while that's happening... Uh... The therapist reveals himself to be the analyst, a program that's succeeding. The architect studies the human psyche, but has since grown more powerful. And he saw that Neo and Trinity die at the end of the machine war, but created the pods to study them. Through countless iterations, he found that the two were not special when they worked as one. Well, not special, but like they were not special when they just were on their own. But they were, when they worked together, he found that they were dangerous. And they overpowered the power of the system. The analyst is thus found that a condition of balance is achieved if the two are near each other but do not actually make contact. Since Leo's liberation destabilized the Matrix again, the analyst tries to halt everything, threatening to kill Trinity if Neo does not return to his pod. Neo and Bugs actually get forced to leave the Matrix when another ship loyal to Niobe brings them back to I.O., Neo actually persuades Niobe to let him free Trinity within the Matrix. And Neo and Vance, the analyst, release Trinity if, he des- if she decides to be freed from the Matrix. If she doesn't, well, Neo says, you're mine. You can have me forever. And he does prepare to kill him, but Smith intercedes, stopping the analyst and giving time for Neo, Trinity, and the others to escape. Neo and Trinity race ahead on a bike to give Bugs and the others time to extract themselves, but the analyst turns a swarm against everyone. Basically, Trinity and Neo race into a skyscraper on a bike with nowhere else to go. They jump after they dodge some helicopter bullets and make one helicopter's missile hit one of the others that are attacking them, and they decide to jump and Neo's expecting them to be able to fly away. He fails to do so, but Trinity develops the ability to fly and allowing them to escape and regain control of the Matrix. And in all of that, we find ourselves back in, I guess, the so-called modern-day San Francisco, back at the analyst's office, which also, I kid you not, deals with a lot of cats and whatnot. For whatever reason, there's always these cats that seem to trigger Neo that are also named, I kid you not, Deja Vu. But when they decide to visit the analyst in the Matrix world, they say, uh, you know, we don't want you to do anything stupid. 
what we do want you to do is reform. We will reform the matrix, matrix ourselves, assuring the analyst that he will face dire consequences should he try to seize control again. And then Neo and Trinity, and I kid you not, do it the best way ever. They fly away to cover of Wake Up by Ra like a oh, Rage Against the Machine song that's covered by a band called Brass Against. And now, don't get me wrong, awesome cover from them all, from the band. It was a good way to get fans of the original series super hyped. We may never get a sequel again from this franchise. And you know what? After 22 odd years of the original film, now we get a sequel. I'm okay without seeing another Matrix movie come to fruition. I mean, Lana Wachowski did even mention herself that there will not be another... This is not going to be a build-up to another set of films. And I definitely say, you know what? That's fine with me. I'm not really keeping my hopes up for a sequel at all. I am very happy that they were able to give us... Like, she was able to give us... One more Matrix film. If that's it, that's it. That's not a big deal to me. It's going to be a little heartbreaking to realize that's it. I won't get another one. But at the same time, this actually put a big smile on my face. Hearing Wake Up, even if it was a cover of the original song. It was it was awesome to hear Wake Up be covered and be covered in a great way. And also did make me like just smile and have the biggest smile on my face hearing it all over again. Because, honestly, I don't know who else would do such a great thing. But you know what? They also did give us a bit of a post credit sequence talking about Cat... Like, making a sequel to The Matrix called Catrix. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. That is my review for The Matrix Resurrections. My final thoughts on this movie is that this movie took quite a long time to come to fruition and I'm happy it did there was a lot of uh, fourth wall meta jokes that I didn't need nor did I want in this film but they also made it special to come back to a world that I've been wanting to come back to for many 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 years and you know what I'm happy I was able to come back if I was to rate this, this is going to be the last film I think I'm rating at all in 2021. I kind of want to go out on top, but at the same time, I don't want to sound biased. I've waited a long time for a sequel, and this is the first time I ever got to see one in any of the Matrix films in theaters. Not on a replay, but actually, like, right away, right when they came out, like, boom, there we are, because I was only six or seven years old when the matrix came out so i wasn't and i wasn't even interested in the matrix at that time when it first came out i was more interested in reloaded and revolutions as they came out because i was a little bit older back then and i was actually kind of interested in it all now seeing them all seeing them all kind of as i watched them all because i didn't rate them i didn't review them and i didn't feel like i should review them to come back to the world that I've been wanting to come back to for such a long time, for 18 years, 
I've been wanting to see a sequel to The Matrix. I knew we were, I didn't think we were ever going to get one at all. Because the Wachowskis were always busy with other projects. And then after Sense8 happened and they both kind of said, oh, we're burnt out. We're not working together anymore. I kind of thought, well, that's it. We're not going to get a Matrix film at all. And then lo and behold, maybe two years ago or so, two, three years ago, we find out there's another one happening. And I actually jumped for joy because this little boy who's now become a man is actually hearing some good news for once and is excited to hear what is going to happen to what he remembers the most uh, in his childhood. If I'm going to give this movie a rating, I'm going to be very, uh, I hate to be, I'm gonna, I hate to be that person, but I'm feeling very biased about it. I'm going to be giving this film a 10 out of 10. It's maybe, no, you know what? I'm not going to give it a 10 out of 10. It's, it's not that perfect. But this film, by far, was one of my favorite experiences in the theater in a long time. Because, honestly, I never expected it to be this good. I do know that I was kind of falling asleep through part of it, but that's not intentional. It's just been a long couple of days. I wasn't able to sleep very well last night when I was doing the After the Kingsman review. Which felt horrible. I will do a Redux review of that in the near future. When I get the chance to, I will do so. I will even make the Rocky Four review, maybe as a double dip for that, maybe too. Like to fix what I couldn't. I don't want to have 2022 be a bunch of re-reviews of movies. Because that's not my that's not my bag. I know I've reviewed movies that I've watched numerous times now. And give my thoughts and everything else and kind of review them by just kind of talking about everything that happens in the film. But right now, as it looks to be, I am going to make darn certain that I am happy with my thoughts on this film. I'm going to give this film a solid 9 out of 10. This was 20 odd years since the original Matrix I didn't expect to even find out that it was all filmed in San Francisco or even on a back lot or wherever it was. Cause I know the original three films were filmed in Australia, specifically Sydney. So to know that they didn't go to Sydney again. Sorry about that. They didn't go back to Sydney to, rec- to film it is kind of surprising. But at the same time, I kind of wish they did go back to Sydney a little bit just to film a little bit of The Matrix. But then again, this is a new iteration of The Matrix. They could have even filmed it up here. And I would have been none the wiser if they did. But you know what? I'm happy that this was filmed. I'm happy it was made. I'm a little disappointed that Lawrence Fishburne wasn't asked or approached to do The Matrix 4 at all. I'm surprised he didn't do The Matrix Resurrections. I'm surprised he didn't get to come back to be Morpheus. But the person that did portray Morpheus did very well. I think, personally, I'm not too upset about losing Lawrence Fishburne to someone else. That's fine. It's not a big deal. I can still say, without a doubt, this was a good, and I do mean good, experience overall. And I've said my final thoughts. I will say more. If I do decide to review this again, there there will be a Redux, possibly of this whole weekend, as well as another Redux for, oh, technically a Redux for uh, Rocky Four, possibly. But I need to rewatch 
the Matrix Resurrections in not in theaters but in home release, as well as the King's Man. So I might do a double dip Redux. Who knows? But I don't know what I'm gonna do next. But I do know that 2022 does have some new movies that are coming out. I will definitely be doing some Midnight Movie Confessionals. I will be resuming the Bebop sessions, and I'll also be resuming music from the curator share i have some episodes ready to go for that in 2022 i have a lot of things that are coming up i hope you all stay tuned and stay uh stay afflicted i guess would be the term and enjoy life all right until next time everyone this is scott signing out and transmission and happy holidays